Well, let's think about that for a minute. Um, if it wasn't for this lighthouse, where would you be? If you hadn't found this place, where would you be? Have you found a light here? Amen. How are you doing this morning, Resurrection? All that pride and independence? Are you feeling it? Feeling it? Well, I have to tell you, those, those of us from Chicago for General Conference, we're exhausted. But it's exciting. But we're exhausted. We heard a little bit about that in the scripture this morning with Elijah. He's kind of exhausted. He's been working hard for God. He's been uh, taking on Queen Jezebel and King Ahab and what they thought the world should be about. Uh, we, before this time, we're entering the story again. We're entering a season of prophets. And we're starting today with Elijah. Before Pride, we had just finished a season of kings. You remember, we got all the way up to King Solomon. And those are what we now call in the Bible the glory days. Those are the golden years. Those are the days we look back on and say, if it could just be like that again during that time of Solomon. So we built up to that, and then we had Pride Month, where we went through Oz and through the book of Acts, and we found a journey to find our way home. So now we're going back to that scripture story. And so what happens immediately following those glory days is that, you know, you've, okay, let me ask you this question. Have you ever gotten exactly what you asked for? And then found out it wasn't what you wanted. <laughs> Have you ever gotten exactly what you asked for and then known that it was actually bad for you in some way? You know? So the glory days, Solomon, they got everything they wanted. Got everything they wanted. They got that king. They built a new temple. And then Solomon dies. And what happens? There's so much. The taxes are too high. Oh, no, let's stop these building projects. And the kingdom breaks in two. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom just breaks in two. And it's interesting because this isn't just a new thing that the northern kingdom and southern kingdom would break apart. Because remember, this is an association of loose tribes that went into slavery together and came out of slavery together. And one of those tribes always called God Yahweh. And that was the tribe of Judah. If you look way back in our scripture, you can see that, that tribe's stories. And they always refer to God as Yahweh. And that's the southern kingdom. The other group of people, the northern kingdom, always called God Elohim. And if you look back through scripture, you can look at the stories where God is called Elohim. And whenever you see that, that's the stories of the northern kingdom. And what did God and the Holy Spirit and wisdom do? They just smashed all those stories together and said, it is good. Well... So it lasted for a while. And then when things got tough, they started to break into their old stories. And they broke into a northern and a southern kingdom. I don't know about you, but northern kingdom's trying to say God wants this. Southern kingdom's trying to say God wants that. And Elijah's trying to say into this divided family, no, God wants something completely different. Listen to me. So as the kingdoms dissolve and break and start fighting one another, Elijah comes along to help the kingdom hear God's words. I have a connection to Elijah. In, in high school, I got to play Elijah in the church musical. Have you ever seen any of those church musicals? You know? Seen, seen those junior high and high school kids trying to sing and act, and you just say, bless their hearts, and you just... <laughs> You pay your money for the spaghetti supper and you go and listen to them anyway. 
Well, well, I got to be Elijah in one of those church musicals in Sharpstown growing up. And for whole two scenes, I just sat right here in the middle. Was, this was our choreography. We were so good. I just sat right here. <laughs> two scenes, two scenes. And it was the scripture from today. And so right here, the scene would change around me. We had two young people on this side of me, and they held these big, long palm branches. And that was the broom tree. So when he's under the broom tree saying, I just wish I could die, you know, I was sitting here, and they had those palm branches. And then later, the scene changes, you know, and he goes on for 40 days on the strength of that food that the angel gave him, and then he's in a cave. And so those palm branches, one came from this side to me, and then they arched in, and they were a cave. <laughs> Cre creative choreography and, and church musicals, but they are a beautiful and wonderful thing. I learned how to sing about my love for Jesus in those church musicals and in those church choirs. So one thing happened in this particular musical, though, that we thought was a good thing, but the people were pretty surprised. We, we did a chorus line up across the front of the church, and we sang this song about Jezebel. We sang the song about Jezebel. She was a queen, the meanest queen you've ever seen. She bowed daily to a stone god. She bowed, and she scraped, and she acted odd. So these are high school verses, you know, so uh, don't judge them too harshly. But as we're doing this chorus line, we're stretched across the stage in a single line. So we get to the, towards the end of the song and we part our ways. And, and, and laying across the altar in her best lounge singer mode, a 16-year-old in a red Charleston dress with a long smoking thing, you know, as our Jezebel. She has a boa around her and she's just right across the church altar. And the people go, ah! <laughs> ah! ah! You know, maybe they didn't get it. <laughs> or, or maybe they did. You know, uh, that was what Elijah was about. People were going to the wrong altar. People were praising Baal and praising Ashtoreth on this other altar that Jezebel's family had brought in. And Elijah was trying to get them back to another altar. And he had prayed and God had received his offering and fire and so he won. But in the process of women, winning, that means he had an meant he had an enemy. And so he's running as we hear the scripture this morning. He's running. He's one of the first prophets in this series of prophets and we'll hear about some more of them. And he's afraid. And so we'll hear about how these prophets coped with these things. But it's this thing about the prophets. They're about two things. They're about justice and they're about joy, which we sang about in our song this morning. They're about justice and they're about joy. And in the scripture, in the Psalms, we live in a universe, according to the psalmist, that has three stories. The sky up here, water beneath the ground, and in between is where we are. And this creation, the sky, sits on two pillars. And those pillars have names. One of the names of one of those pillars is justice. And one of the names of the other pillar is righteousness. And so the psalmist says all of creation is kept in place by justice and by righteousness, by these two columns that hold it up so that we can thrive and survive. And so when you think about those two names, that they're doing that, justice meant wholeness. It meant how everyone, how the systems were put together, how people could belong together in love and kindness and how God celebrates, God delights when there is justice in the world for all. But not only justice out there, the other pillar, righteousness, is translated as internal justice within the individual, within your very being. 
Was there balance? Was there wholeness? Did you allow for life and love and light and joy to be within you in such a way that you had joy? So the prophet's about these two pillars and helping people come back to them so that everything will be okay. So I would call those two pillars not justice and righteousness, but I would call those two pillars justice and joy. And the prophets are about how we thrive in the middle of that. Not just us, but everyone around us. And so as we look at the song we sang this morning, just this, this piece, this about justice and joy, what the prophets will tell us. The first verse of the song starts off, for everyone born, you know, a place at the table, for everyone born clean water and bread. You know, we, sometimes we take those things for granted. But there are places in the world where there's not clean water and bread. And the prophets speak to us from the tradition today and say, what are we doing about that? You know, you may be exhausted. You may feel like it's time to stop, but God's meeting you there right in that place and saying, Elijah, why are you there? I've got work for you. I've got work for you. Clean water and bread. For everyone born, a place at the table. For everyone born, let's see the next slide as we go forward. Shelter, space, where we can have safety. For everyone born, that star overhead. That all get that chance in life, that everyone receives that. This is what the prophet's message is of both justice and joy for the systems in the world and within our own heart and being. The next piece of this verse. For woman and man, a place at the table. Well, America, the beautiful, how are we doing? Have we passed that Equal Rights Amendment yet? You remember the one from back when that's still languishing so that women would be equal in America, the beautiful, a place at the table. In my Rev-M class, which I take as a transferring my clergy credentials into MCC that I took before General Conference, which made it 11 days that I was there in Chicago, one of my classmates, Beulah, was from South Africa. And in South Africa, Beulah, as an MCC intern, is working with women against rape, where nine out of 10 women in South Africa are raped. 90% of the women experience that violence. So for woman and man, a place at the table, how do we make that safety here? How do we make that safety out there? The prophets ask us to work to change those systems and revise the roles. Let's keep going. For woman and man, with wisdom and grace, dividing the power for woman and man, a system that's fair. You know, sometimes I get tired of working on systems. It seems enough just to work on my own house. You know, but God says we can't stop there. We have to change the system that causes the harm. So justice along with the joy of our own home. So we keep moving through these verses. The next one talks about for young and for old, a place at the table. And I want to tell you through your gifts of Good Friday, your offering, you made the young and the old possible at General Conference. And Reverend Kristen's going to tell you what that was like. What it was like was a tremendous feeling of pride at being part of Resurrection MCC as everywhere we went with this young uh, three-year-olds all the way through 18-year-olds, uh, the children and teens program that you 
made way for um, was just populated by Resurrection MCC folks. It was made way for by Resurrection MCC folks and your value that young and old are sharing this table every day was made loud and clear in our bodies and our spirits there. If you were a volunteer, could you raise your hand? If you made a way for that to happen, if you gave money, time, paper, t-shirts, volunteer hours, hands at the table, Please give us a wave. Thank you so very much. It was amazing. We had uh, Carolyn Gay and Debbie Mansfield and a number of other volunteers, including Joy Jolly and uh, Georgette Monahan. They made way for three to seven-year-olds to get together. We had an, a, a wonderful time together. We had a moment where a young man named Jamari who showed up really afraid and unable to participate by the end of the week was proclaiming, Reverend Kristen, we went to the firehouse and and and, and I knew that Jesus was with me and I was brave and I put on the fire hat all by myself. And we had a moment that later in the, the week that had started really a, a very full of fear for Kida, who was um, in our eight to 12 year old program led up by Mr. Joel Palomares and participating with our, our lead teachers, Suzette Cotto and Christy Irvin. They made a wonderful program and, and Kida, who had Down syndrome was very afraid at the very beginning and Toward the end of that week, she was riding on a train through the city of Chicago, barreling toward the zoo, full of joy. She got out of that train, and just at the edge, she was afraid to step over because there was a big gap, and she grabbed hands of her friends on either side of her. She said, you know what I know? Peter and Jesus were friends, so Peter could walk on water, and she jumped out of that train onto the landing. And then we had our teens. We had 25 teens, people. We had 25 teens, and we had... Bridget Vinson and Janine uh, Wilson and Carol Collins leading that group of uh, teens through amazing experiences. And you know, that takes a lot with that. And we had a young man named Iggy show up for his first MCC experience. He had been just recently uh, in the adoption process with one of our wonderful MCC families in Florida. And uh, he came from a state home where he'd been living for two years because his uh, mother had passed and there was no one to care for him. And so he was just being introduced to what it means to be a part of our justice and joy community of faith. He came in that room. He said, if I don't like it here, I'm not staying. That was on Monday. By Thursday night, he was a star of our little teen piece of the young adult worship service that was coordinated in part by Reverend Dr. Michael Diaz that was amazing. And he was out there for all to see proclaiming uh, that he was part of God's story. This is how we make a place at the table. And this is how resurrection shines its light through this place far around the world. Thank you so very much. It was a joy to go around the conference center and bump into the young people every now and then as they were headed about to have fun. And I couldn't think that they were like me in those musicals, learning to celebrate God together in a church that loved them. So if they're going to be around, maybe one of them will be up here someday preaching the word to us. And so for young and for old, a place at the table. And the next slide, a hand, the hands of a child and the hands that are wrinkled, that we do this together. It's not alone, we do this together. And one of the times I bumped into them, I noticed that the older hands, that meant teenagers in this scenario, were holding the younger hands as they all went off on a journey to their assigned playtime of whatever it was they were gonna be doing. So those hands holding one another, for the right to belong and have a place in our church. And it's not childcare, is it? Absolutely not. It is 
Christian education. It is engagement in justice and joy in the life of the church and how they are faithful disciples. And so, young and for old. And the next set of slides show us that next verse. And as you look at it, it's more difficult for just and unjust. A place at the table. Sometimes it gets kind of hard to swallow that. For just and unjust, those who've caused harm. A place at the table. Our... Love Your Neighbor t-shirts say, welcome your racist neighbor. <laughs> kind of hard to do at times, but God calls us to engage the whole world for just and unjust a place at the table, and it continues, for just and unjust a place at the table, for abuser and abused, the need to forgive. We know that we find healing when we're able to forgive. Doesn't mean forget, but that we're able to forgive. Abuser, abused, Dr. Martin Luther King Luther King Jr. there being taken away to jail for talking about justice. He was one of our Elijahs who was talking about changing the system with need to forgive. As it goes forward, these difficult verses and anger and hurt, a mindset of mercy, then for everyone born, a new way to live. Boy, these prophets actually ask us to do something. <laughs> that may not be easy for us to do. But to live into that systemic change for the world, to live into that wholeness within our own hearts, to find both justice and joy, God says, what are you doing there? I've got work for you to do, Elijah. You may be exhausted, but there is more. There is more for us to do together. And then God sets out with Elijah to change the system. Next, next slides, please. As we're going through these. Now, we love this one. For gay and for straight, a place at the table, transgender and queer in one family. Do you recognize her? Who is that? Ellen. Ellen, there she is. Transgender and queer in one single tree. Keep going. And engaging each gift and blessing each covenant for gay and for straight, a new way to be. At General Conference in the last worship service, Jeff Miner from MCC Indianapolis preached to us. And as he preached to us, he said, are we serious about this? Are we serious that Jesus' grace, God's love, is for all people? And what about our allies who are straight? What about, are we serious about this? Are we opening the doors wide enough? And he got standing ovation from the conference saying, who are we as a people of God? And this love, if this love is something that the world needs to know about, how can we restrict it to just ourselves? How do we change the system? I would tell you, I don't believe we can change a system until Peter meets Cornelius, and then their hearts change. Until Ananias from a few weeks ago met Saul, and then their hearts change. The only way to change the system is not by being apart, but by engaging one another. For gay and for straight, a new way to be. And the last verse of this, for everyone born, a place at the table, to live without fear, to simply to be. America the beautiful, live without fear, simply to be. Some of us grew up not knowing that space. But in this place, in resurrection, we have a space at the table. We have a place where we know God's love, where we know Jesus' joy. 
We have a place where we seek to create more space at the table for more people to find that love and to find that joy. Elijah was running away, this prophet, but he was still preaching about justice and about joy. You know, so how are you doing in your life? How is it within your own body, your own soul, your own spirit? Are you finding joy there because God wants it for you? Are you finding joy there? And then, how are you doing with those around you? Are you in a space to participate and believe? Now, the refrain from this, I want to flip through the slides of the refrain because I just think they're beautiful. To work, to speak out, to witness and worship, march on Washington, for everything one born, the right to be free. And God, this is the most fantastic part to me, will delight when we are those creators of justice and joy. God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy, compassion and peace. I want to show you some slides of what joy looks like. Now, I'm never going to look at a woman with a hat again and not think of Paula. You know, never going to look at a woman with a hat again and not think of Paula. You'll hear more about her memorial service plan for next Saturday, and we hope you can participate for that. God will delight when we are creators of justice. There's one item of it, and keep going. Justice and joy, celebrating. One more time, justice and joy. Doesn't he just look happy? Joy, that's what we want for everyone. We want to create a system where that's possible, both here in our neighborhood and around the world. That Rev-M class that I was in, my training class, Argentina, South Africa, uh, Philippines, Eastern Europe, Russia, these are MCC churches that were in that class. And some of these people's lives are in danger just for being Christian, and then just for being Christian and being gay. We are that church. We have a tagline. I'm not going to test you because I don't think you'll know what it is, but someone might be right out there. MCC, transforming ourselves as we transform the world. Transforming ourselves as we transform the world. You know what? That sounds like justice and joy to me. Transforming ourselves as we transform the world. I don't want you to forget it, so can you say it with me? Transforming ourselves as we transform the world. And God will delight. Justice and joy. Amen.